Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Unexpected Points. I'm going to talk with number fire and fan duels Jim Saunas about quarterbacks, quarterback modeling, and hopefully by the end convince him that Matt Corral is indeed the quarterback one of the 2022 class. Let's get to it. Unexpected Points. Alrighty here, Jim. Thank you for joining me. I have been a guest on your esteemed Covering the Spread, right? Podcast yeah. a couple of different times. You and Ed Fang, uh, another friend of mine. So I appreciate you coming on here, despite the fact that I'm just going to haggle you until until you give in. I mean, being haggled by Kevin Cole is a good way to spend my Wednesday. So I was oddly okay. into it. So I'm I'm game. You know, this sounds fun. All right. All right. Let's do it. Now, the funny thing about this, and I, I'm sure you'll you'll talk about this more. You have your model, so maybe I'll let you get some some high level stuff in. But let's just preface everything here. When you know, when love is abounding from me, or hate is abounding for certain prospects, that the reality is, you know, none of these guys are that great, right? <laughs> so maybe we're splitting hairs a bit. Maybe we're parsing a little bit too far. But at the same time, if you have evidence that you believe in, then you can still be like confident in what the right decision is yeah. without being very confident in what the right result will be after that decision. Right. I think that's a very good way of putting it because NFL teams for all their flaws are better at this than I am. And I need to admit that because like draft capital is probably the best indicator you can get of, of success in the NFL, even at quarterback. I know we like to make fun of the NFL for its decision-making. We like to say, oh, wow, those idiots wanted to draft Ryan Leaf above Peyton Manning. Like we, we point to those misses, but like over a large sample, they are pretty good at what they do. So that's kind of why I try to go into everything with an open mind. That's why like when you were talking to me about like and sending me articles you'd written about like the stuff, I wanted to read it because like I could very well be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. I kind of like Jake Fromm for a couple of weeks, a couple years ago. I am stupid and need hey, to gain my knowledge somewhere. There's, there's no, you've not been proven wrong yet. Okay? I, you've not been proven wrong yet. I think one. the quarterback sneak in itself proved me wrong. I think at that point I was like, wow, I should, uh, let's reevaluate. That's, that might've been why I built out this quarterback model. So thank you. Hey, thank me. you to the trust Giants. Me. There are people out there uh, who had Josh Rosen ranked number one in 2018 who were still like, you know, if he only went to the right team, right. if he just had a chance, <laughs> if he just had this, you know, someone probably Gruden's probably still out there caping for Nathan Peterman somewhere out in the that's right uh, out in out in the mist somewhere. So anyway, let, let, let's get into this. Um, before we get into it, actually, let me just let me just plug really quickly promo code unexpected. 25% off any PFF subscription, all of locked article content, including your, your your boy right here, his article content, which which I believe Jim just endorsed heartily mm -hmm. on this podcast. I'll get him to do it some more as we get into this further. All that information, mock draft simulator, rankings for everything that we have, the draft guide, which is going to be huge, obviously coming up in the draft season. Okay, so got, got, got the little plug out of the way here. Let's talk modeling for quarterbacks because, as you mentioned, Draft position is king. No other position on the field is there a limit to, there's a hard limit of even being able to prove you're getting good or not. You hear these stories, apocryphal or not, about when Tom Brady came in for Drew Bledsoe. There are some, there are some people, of course, who say, I knew Tom Brady was going to be great the whole time. Sure, everybody. <laughs> says, Calm down. Calm down, guys. And then there are others who more reliably I've heard stories saying it was almost a coin flip, whether or not they're going to throw Tom Brady in, in as the backup or someone else. When Tony Romo eventually has a shot coming out as an undrafted free agent, when Dak Prescott gets to play then for Tony Romo with that injury in the preseason, if that never happens, who knows what who Dak Prescott is because of the fact that they're drafted so much later. So like it really matters in quarterback because you're not playing guys in and out and giving them a chance to prove themselves. That draft capital is going to be king. So how do we think about it? pre-NFL draft when we don't know the most important metric. Yeah. So I have two separate models, one of which is 
you know, factors in draft capital, one of which does not. And I focus on just the pre-draft one right now because we don't know. And like, we're wrong a lot about draft capital even going in because we mess up. Patrick Mahomes, you know, like 29th or so, 29th, 30th on consensus big boards goes 10th overall. So we don't know. So that's why I focus primarily on the pre-draft model. What goes into that is total QBR, uh, adjusted yards per attempt to get a little bit more of a passing element in there as well. Um, age and experience. Experience for me is games with 10 plus pass attempts, potentially driven in part by like my broken Northwestern fan brain where it's like, oh, Trevor Simeon didn't start a lot of games, but he came in relief of Kane Coulter a lot, blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's not, I don't know, whatever. That's why yeah. that was there as opposed to- a Low threshold. But, yeah. it, but again, at quarterback- it's not like you're – there's no one who's not a starter but regularly getting 10, right. t- 10 pass attempts anyway. And the intent there is if you get 10 pass attempts, that is an endorsement of you being on the field. If you're like yes. Dak Prescott freshman year at Mississippi State where he's coming in to run the ball every now and then, I, I don't care. Like that that that's not an endorsement of talent. But if you get 10-plus pass attempts that says, okay, whether it was garbage time or you started – it's an endorsement of the team wanted to see what you can do. So that's why I go with 10 plus pass attempts there. What it does, the model is it takes in that data, takes in those data points and weights them appropriately based on, you know, what past data has shown for me, what matters, and then spits out a number. It tells me the percentile rank. Now I disagree with a lot of it. Like, it is Kenny Pickett as a quarterback one in this class it, among the guys who are projected to go like first ish round. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. So I agree that plenty or disagree that plenty, but it does, you know, like a baseline number to look at and factoring in for the things that I care about most in, in quarterback prospecting. Yeah, no, no, that, that's great. Now, before we get into some of this, maybe I'll just, I discussed this a little bit on the last podcast when I was previewing the fact that you were going to come on that, for for me to have a, like a helpful meaningful discussion you intuitively some people might think well you know what you can do is you can get like a film dude and then you could bring a numbers guy in yeah. and then the two of them can kind of like hash it out but the reality is it's like bringing two people in that speak different languages and and can't really uh understand each other and i in a biased fashion would say that the ability to critique a model or co- add context in a concrete agreed upon fashion can much more easily be done with a numbers based analysis than it can with a film based analysis. You know, the film based guy, even you see them, they're just all over the place with, with these takes on who's the best quarterback or not. They, you know, some, one person might think that someone has great processing versus another person doesn't have great processing. There, there's no real way to dig into that with your model, which I love because, and that's why I invited you on here. There is a way to dig into it. There is a way to add context. Yeah. These are small sample things. It can point you in the right direction. But again, for just something like you mentioned experience being how many games someone's played for certain quarterbacks, let's say Kyler Murray in the past, he didn't play a lot of games, but then again, he was sitting behind Baker Mayfield for most of his career, who had one of the best colleges careers of any quarterback in history. So him not playing while from a pure number standpoint is it is an indictment against how good he is, it might not be as much of an indictment as it is for players who are sitting behind low-level quarterbacks who never even make it onto a practice squad in the NFL, let alone end up being the, the first pick. So it's things like that we can go through to add richness to the signal that the overall model is uh, is giving us, which may not be perfect on an individualized quarterback basis. And I think that's true for all these stats, because yes. like for everything, every number I just listed is flawed in some way. Like, let's yes. say... I don't know. I don't know when Matt Car- I have Matt Corral's birthday somewhere in here, but like, let's say hypothetically he was born in September. So he's like on the front end of yeah. like that, that his, his class, he will inherently look worse in my model through no fault of his own by being older. So like, that's a flaw right. there. Total QBR dependent on context. It's dependent on surrounding talent. There are so many issues with that as well. Draft capital, the NFL messes up. There's, you know, I, sung their praises earlier on but they do make mistakes for sure they overlook there are inherent biases against certain kinds of quarterbacks that will push guys down unnecessarily things like that the games played thing like you said issues with that too 
So I think that there are always going to be some issues here for sure. It's just kind of like taking everything in a blender and seeing what it spits out. Like Kyler Murray, for example, I think is a great one to flag because yes, that's a great retort. He was behind the freaking Heisman winner, the first overall pick. That shouldn't be marked as a negative, but because the rest of his stuff was still good, he is still the 13th best quarterback in my model since 2010 out of... 100 and 219 guys invited the combine. He ranks 13th pre-draft model in the post-draft model. Kyler moves up to sixth overall. So those factors are marked against him, but because everything else is so good and there's enough stuff in there, he does still get pushed up because there are so many other things in there that can help elevate guys and hopefully make up. If there are multiple things that are negatives, like if he's older and he wasn't like super experienced and he wasn't efficient that's where we start to get in some pretty deep doo-doo there yeah yeah exactly exactly there's not like a disqualifying factor and again as you mentioned if you're extremely efficient like he was like joe burrow is probably another guy who, who who fits into that category in his final season that's what that's really matters okay so what i think is i i sent you a list of kind of probing questions that I was going to ask, but I think the best way to to do it would be is let's go through these guys. And as we're going through them, we'll discuss some of these contextual things that we can add into it and maybe adjustments, even mental adjustments that we can make knowing in in our, knowing in our heads that there's not a, a, a vast differences separating these guys straight up from the very beginning. So, so, so go ahead. Yeah. So talking about this year's class, you mean? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about this year's class. Yeah, so with Pickett, I think he's the one to start with because he does lead the pre-draft model, again, among the guys expected to have relevant draft capital. Because, like, I mean, you could talk about Bailey Zappi, I guess, who is technically first. Um, I don't... Yeah, we, 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 we can hold him out. Tim. Sure. I think we're confident that he's not going to have that draft capital behind him, but... So yeah, you talk about film, guys. I watched Bailey Zappi and was like, oh, I get it. I get why he's not getting a lot of buzz. So I was like, yeah, this makes sense. So yeah, there is value in that, too. With Pickett... So he's very old. And that's why, despite the fact he is the best quarterback in my model, he's not going to be, you know, he's like kind of like a fringe first round pick still in my model because he's 23.9 years old at the day of the draft. That is quite old. And that does matter quite a bit. His his QBR was fine. 81.2. I believe that was 10th in the nation this past year. But it's like, again, that's around average for first round pick. He's very experienced, but that kind of gets washed out a bit by his age. Like you should have 51 games with 10 plus pass attempts if you're almost 24 at that point. So even with the top guy in my model, I have a hard time buying it. And that does not look at hand size. It does not look at other factors in there. It does not look at the fact too much that Pickett was not efficient before his final year. Like it doesn't account for that. Once I account for that context, I manually knock him down. So despite the fact he's first in the model, I don't even know if he'd be worth like a top end selection. I don't, I don't think he'd be worth a top end selection in this year's draft. As someone who, you know, I I go to like the PFF mock draft simulator, simulator way where every quarterback taking the first round is, a, is an A+. I go that way too. Maybe not with Pickett. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tough. I, I'm also not a big fan of Pickett. I mean, you mentioned the, the contextual stuff about how long he's been around. I mean, he played five seasons. He got, he had, you know, they have like a, a mulligan basically yeah. on 2020 as far as your eligibility. So they were able to come back again for another season. So he had five years where you normally would only have four years um, in the past for for any quarterback. So he exhausted his eligibility and then some. Um, Yeah. And it's like, you don't want to lean too hard into the hand size thing, maybe some of the arm strength thing. I mean, what I will say for him, which is, which he probably doesn't get enough credit for in this class. And I think, but this class is good across the board in this regard is he is, he can move. Okay. He can scramble. Okay. And that's become a bigger and bigger part of quarterback evaluation. So I think some people might put him in this bucket as if he is the, you know, the passer, more of the statuesque type of guy versus the Malik Willis or the Sam Howe or something like that, but he can move. Okay. So that, that helps me a little bit with his evaluation. And like he throws well on the move too. Like he, yes. he actually is, is pretty accurate on the move and stuff like that. So like if I were to be super mean and super rude, which I wouldn't want to do, like he reminds me of Taylor Heineke in a bit, in a way where it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. he tries really hard. Um, He can move a little bit. He, you know, he can hit, put it in the right spot, but is the upside there. I don't think Heineke is his best comp. I think he's more like Andy Dalton where they were both older, older guys coming out, experienced, decently efficient, but like, you have a cap on the ceiling because of some of the outside factors there. So I agree with you. I agree with your assessment that like he can move decently well and he does a good job of throwing on the run. A lot of times he has to throw on the run because he 
holds on the ball too freaking long, kind of puts himself in bad position. So it's partially self-inflicted. But like, yeah, I'd agree that that is a, a positive of his game. Yeah, yeah. It's funny with, with Heineke. I remember uh, uh, Bengals fans were not too happy with me this this season whenever I'd say anything bad about Joe Burrow. But I called Joe Burrow like a rich man's Taylor Heineke, and people were upset about that. But, hey, if Taylor Heineke was 6'4 and had a little bit better arm, he'd be pretty good. He'd be, he'd be a good quarterback. <laughs> the problem is he's just like he's yeah. he's tiny and he doesn't have a good arm. So yeah. uh, that kind of falls into the to, to the play with, uh, with Pickett also. All right, so – once we get past Pickett, where, you know, like, again, we have probably the contextual stuff around him is almost all negative, I would say. Yeah. Like, the fact that that he had the extra time there uh, it, it, and the fact that he wasn't as good before as he was in his last season, so we're not dinging him for that, and the hand size, all that sort of sort of stuff there. Who do we have next uh, of – I guess we're going to – are we going to go with the big five or are we going to bring Carson Strong into the mix? Too? I'm okay not bringing him in. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm okay too not bringing like him in. Like, he's fine. No, no offense to – to talk about statues. <laughs> no, I mean, no offense to, to pocket pocket statues, like pocket sloth, as uh, Evan Silva would say. But he's yeah. like kind of fun because it's like, oh, he actually has some like some arm, some like juice in his arm. But then he yeah. runs like Ben Roethlisberger, like twenty twenty two Ben Roethlisberger, and yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, no, not, not, not and like great. you yeah. feel bad because it's like the knee injuries, like you know it's not inside his control. So it's like I feel bad, but also like move like Big Ben, probably not a ringing endorsement. So the number two yeah, guy I'm on, on in my model is Sam Howell. I I know there are a lot of issues with Sam Howell, and I agree with them. The sack thing, oh my goodness, get rid of the freaking ball. What are you doing? And like his offensive line is not good, but that's not an excuse for a 24% sack rate on third and long this past year. It's not an excuse for a 12% sack rate overall. That said, he has some intriguing elements to him that I like a lot. And I think that this discussion actually ties in with Corral, ties in with Pickett, ties in with uh, with Malik Willis too. Age matters a lot for me. So part of the reason why Sam Howell grades out well is because I have just raw age. Again, raw age is in my model. And the reason for that is let's look at the quarterback since 2010. I know that for your stuff, you were looking since 2016 and sorting them based on successful, non-successful picks. But I just have quarterbacks taken in the first round since 2010 who have been inside the top 10 in number fires total net expected points in one third of their qualified seasons so looking at the ages of those guys who check that box and it's like mahomes herbert allen etc cetera, etc cetera. ages of those guys 21.6 21.1 21.3 22.6 23.3 that's joe burrow 21.6 21.9 21.9 22.2 21.7 and 21.5 there was only one guy older in there than 22.9 years old at the time of the draft. That was Joe Burrow. Pickett is 20, 23.9. Willis is 22.9. Corral 23.1, I believe, uh, there. And then Desmond Ritter is 22.7. He's closer, um, and I don't ding him as much because he's very experienced. He's, he's had the four years versus five for Pickett, um, and the age is there as well. Howell's the only guy who fits like the prototypical mold of being young and experienced coming out. And if you just look at like young and experienced guys who go in the first round, that's kind of an assumption for Howell because I'm not totally convinced he goes in the first round. I'm not totally convinced he should either because of the issues. But if he does, that young experience bucket is where you find Herbert. It's where you find Mahomes. It's where you find Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. You find all those guys in that bucket. That's why I'm willing to not dismiss Howell. I'm not banging the, the table for him because I think the sacks are a legitimate, legitimate concern. And that's why I thought that the piece that you mentioned with sack avoidance and, and scrambling was so important because like it validates my hesitant toward hesitancy towards liking a guy who I do like for a couple reasons. I just can't bang the table for him because to me those are legitimate and worthwhile red flags. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so how how is, is the guy who probably looked like the best prospect a year prior because he was he was the guy who was going to be like your your prototype three-year yeah. starter come out um not you know not not exhaust all of his eligibility not be red-shirted not have any of that stuff sort of happening even some of the younger quarterbacks who didn't didn't get over that threshold and we talked about this a little bit before but even guys like Herbert and Luck 
they didn't have to come back for their senior yeah. years. They, they probably would have been drafted just as high as they, well, I mean, Luck would have been the number one pick if he decided to come out after three years rather than four years. I believe Herbert would have been a still a, elite, a top 10 pick. Yeah, um, it was, that was really the Kyler that year, well. I believe, correct? So it was Kyler and yeah. then like Dwayne Haskins. So he probably would have been a top five pick in that in that class. I think so. I think, yeah. I think he would have been even a better pick because if anything, he put more film on tape for people to uh, talk themselves out sure. of Justin Herbert. Uh, potentially on, on there. So those guys don't even really count in that, in that regard. So you're right. That is very much the prototype sort of, sort of thing. Now, Howell is getting no hype. So I do wonder if perhaps there's like a sneaky sort of thing to him where people are forgetting about those positive contextual sure. elements that, that go against what they're saying. Now you, you mentioned the sacks and again, sacks is something I think gets ignored a little bit too much. I don't know what it says about your ability to process information, but I feel like great quarterbacks and probably Peyton Manning is like the 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 greatest in this way of being able to compute like ha- have this instinctual understanding of like EPA basically yeah. like expected points <laughs> added and what and what he's doing. So I feel like for quarterbacks and why sacks are important to me is that we may not necessarily think of them as harsh. We like oh his offensive line stinks this and that, but like throwing an incompletion rather than taking a sack. You're recognizing what's coming in and who you have to go to as a check down, things like that. It really is a huge deal for expected points added. And you see guys like Peyton Manning or Dan Marino or others, despite the fact that they can't move at all, were able to really limit their sacks and do that. So for him, I, I have this other calculation where I look at these survival curves for offensive line. So it shows like how much time, how, how likely it is you'd survive not being pressured after a certain number of time. And then you can place the the credit or the blame, if you want to say, for a sack on the quarterback versus the offensive line. Yeah, he and Willis are like off the chart, oh, yeah. especially when you talk about first round. Cor- not in the good way. <laughs> picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like first round picks. And again, the, the day that we have only goes back to 2014 for this sort of stuff. But first round picks. Uh, Fields is kind of bad, but not nearly as bad as they are. But all the other first round picks were actually pretty decent as far as being able to avoid sacks. So, yeah, I I don't know if it's a disqualifying red flag, but it's certainly a red flag for him. Yeah, and I I think that that's why, again, I'm not like leaping towards him by any means. And like you watch his games and you see you see why that happened. He does hold on the ball too long, whether it's lack of confidence in his pass catch. I think if you want to be generous, that's the assumption. Um, I don't really want to be generous though, because that's how you lead to a lot of bad decisions. And I don't really want to go down that path. And like, you could talk about the pass catchers, talk about losing Javante Williams, Michael Carter, guys like that. But also his sack rate wasn't as high as a freshman and a sophomore, but it was still higher than he'd want it to be. It was in the field zone. Where like we're talking about it being a red flag for Fields, he was in that area his first two years, and then just jumped off the charts this past year. And the reason that I like to put weight on sacks, which is why QBR is weighted into my, my stuff, because I care about it. I played offensive line in high school, so when I read Doctor Heger's piece about like quarterbacks under the sack, I was like, yes, it's not me, it's you. When it's a sack, it's on the quarterback, not not the offensive lineman. So like I agree that like it should matter a lot, and that's why. And that's it with Howell, and it also is a pretty big reason why I'm hesitant with Willis as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, again, he's another guy who can, he can move. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to like rank order guys, I feel like can credibly run in the NFL. Um, I think he's behind. I mean, I, I mean, Willis is above the, everyone, of course, but I yeah. feel like he's second. And even though his, some of his stats may not be that different from Matt Corral, I feel like he can, he could probably hold up his a little body bit better. Type, yeah. As, yeah. Um, as far as how he's running there, it's not a surprise that Corral had some, some injury issues. So he has that upside there. I mean, maybe he's like Russell Wilson, Wilson ish. Like he's always going to take sacks, but if he can move and avoid and do that, the problem is you have to be so good. Like Russell Wilson is one of the best, just pure throwers of the football from point A to point B when he moves around. Um, so that leaves a kind of a high bar for success for him. Um, but if he ends up going in the second round or something like that. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a great pick in the yeah. second round oh, yeah. for someone who can scoop him up at that point. Honestly, even like I've seen some mocks of the, the Lions taking him at 32. That's fine. You know, you get the fifth yeah. year option, you're mitigating risk by taking him there. And honestly, like the risk I think is overblown with like first round picks in general, but specifically like back end of the first half, like if he busts, who cares? Like the, the other player going to, pick could bust too. So like, why not take a, a swing at a high upside type player and all quarterbacks at that range are high upside. Like honestly, the Jordan love pick didn't pan out, but like 
was it really that stupid? I don't know. Like they probably should have gotten a receiver for Rodgers, but like you're taking swings at volatile assets and volatile in the good way. So I think that like even the guys I'm not like if Willis somehow got to 32 and they took him there, awesome. Great pick. I think that's a a smart thing to do just because I think we focus too much on the downsides, not enough on the upsides, specifically with quarterbacks at the latter end of the first round. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense to me when I hear and I've heard I hear this often that. Oh, quarterbacks, they get they 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 have like inflation. Like there's this inflation where they get moved up a half a round further than they should. And I always think to myself, where should they go? Like when I hear people talking about this class and I've heard people give discussions, they'll say, Oh, you know, I would put a third round grade on him. I'm like, why? Why (laughs) explain that to me? Like you only take the top of the top in the first round. And if anything, I believe if you're gonna point to a like everything's about incentives in my mind. So I think. GMs are negatively incentivized to take quarterbacks who are uncertain in the middle or back half of the first round because people make such a big fucking deal about it and about the fact that they're tied to this guy. You know, when when um, when Mac Jones is taken at 15 or Justin like Justin Fields, he went 10th. OK, they did trade up. For, I mean, he went 11th. They did. They did trade up for him. So I'll give you that. But if he was just the 11th pick, guys bust when they're 11th pick all the time okay but yet that is somehow would have been tied around ryan pace's neck for the rest of his gm-dom which obviously ended (laughs) prematurely but it would have been for that sort of thing when reality is like you can just wipe your hands clean and start over again with them so i think these guys actually get pushed down too far um when it comes to teams that should just be taking shots in the in the middle or second half of the first round i fully agree and i think that again once you factor in the the fifth year option i know that's that's a talking point that gets brought up a lot but it should be because it does matter oh, a lot, yeah. especially for like this class where it's a lot of guys who may not be productive right away. You want that extra year of evaluation before you have to commit. And like, I know that they're eligible for extensions after the third year, but like if you get two extra years to evaluate this specific class, that seems pretty, I mean, I'm going to use the word volatile here. I'm not using it in the positive sense though. Cause I don't think the upside is necessarily there for most of them, but like if it's an unpredictable class, I want that extra year. So it's, it's a talked up point but I think it's justifiably talked up. I mean, it's big. Think, think about um, Dak Prescott, right? So yeah. he did no no fifth year option for him. They it probably cost them like when you combine the actual cost of the franchise tag with the fact that they exhausted both franchise tags a year earlier than they would have, making the third prohibitive and giving him more leverage in the negotiation. I mean, it cost them tens of millions of dollars. But think not, about it not from the flip that. side too, with the Browns with Baker Mayfield. If not for yes. the fifth year option, they would have had to have extended him before this past year because they're probably not going to go into a, a final year with him at that point. They probably, given how well he played in 2020, probably would have extended him. Instead, they got that extra year of evaluation and... I still hold that hope for Baker still being like a competent starting quarterback. I don't think he should be paid 40 mil though. And I think that that actually the fifth year option in a way kind of saved them from making a a potential mistake in that regard as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one more thing here, even when you extend guys early with reasonable ish sort of contracts, like Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, both of those were done after their third season, as early as you can do it, you are building in the fourth year and the fifth year option into that extension. So you're extending it. There's actually like a six year deal, a four year deal becomes actual six year deal. And like, it's, it's not that far after the end of what would have been their fifth year option that, you can you kind of get out of that yeah. deal. You're going to take some dead money. You're going to do whatever, but you can kind of get out. So again, it gives you just a longer runway to make all of these different decisions and a little bit more leverage um, when you can point out to the fact of like, hey, we can keep you for that fifth year and then we can go ahead and franchise tag you. We're talking, you're going to be playing on a year by year basis for so long in the future. Quarterbacks will come to the table maybe a little bit easier in that circumstance. Okay, let's move on to the next guy who's who's next on here yeah so next for me is desmond ritter and it's similar to the howl the howl discussion where like i'm not opposed to putting him where my model has him but i also i can't bang the table for him because of again red flags it's a very consistent uh theme throughout this one but the reason that ritter ritter grades out so well based on my stuff and again well is relative it's just relative to this class but very experienced 49 games of 10 plus pass attempts for him He's just 22.7 years old, so a full year younger than Kenny Pickett. He is younger than Malik Willis, despite having uh, four or 26 games more of, of experience there. He had a better total QBR in his final year than Malik, Malik Willis. He had a better 
uh, adjusted yards per attempt than Malik Willis. Willis, he's very fast, um, as we saw at the combine. Doesn't use it as much as a lot of other guys do, but like he has that within his bag of tricks. So I actually I like Ritter a decent amount. I I like Howell a bit more because again, I think that the upside in very young, experienced guys is pretty big. But I think Ritter is very interesting. The red flags of him are his sack rates on. Uh, you know, strict passing downs, very high. Uh, it's not as high as Willis and Corral or Willis and uh and Howell, but it's still high enough where it's a bit of a red flag. I don't include like obvious passing situations in my model because it's such a small sample. It's very, very finicky, uh, very volatile. But on third and six or longer this year, Ritter's adjusted yards per attempt was three point six, which would be the lowest of any first round pick since twenty ten if he were to go in the first round. So like. There are things in there that make me a bit nervous when I, when you watch Ritter, you see like some inconsistent throws. I don't care about that too much. I think that like, I think that the other stuff kind of offsets that, but like, even with a guy who I think it's reasonable to like a decent amount, I still see red flags. But I think like, if I'm just ranking myself, I might go Howell Ritter as my top two guys because they have the most, I don't know, the most building blocks for upside, I guess is the way that I phrase that, within their statistical profiles. Yeah, I mean, think with Ritter and Age, I think that um, it's like a we can, we're getting a little bit skewed on the relative, like, we're, it's like, well, relative to the oldest quarterback ever, he's, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, <right. laughs> he's okay, you know, like, I mean, maybe, God, I was like, a, I was like an infant or something. I did not turn 22 years old until I had graduated from college for like five years, five months. Okay. Like, I don't understand how these guys are so, so old. Like this so class specifically like, is very old. It's not, yeah, yeah, it's, because not it's like, normal. it's like, uh, when my, I mean, I'm not in New York anymore, but New York, they had it being like a, a January, like a, a calendar year school year like he would not fit in in the age year even him so it's not like he's not as old as these other guys but he is a full like senior yeah age you yeah. know he, he he really is a full senior age so for that i again i, I think we're going to talk about this a little bit too like the difference of age versus eligibility and things like that like he you know he he played his his when well, it's not just eligibility it's I'm counting red shirts in that also, like how many years you've been in college sort of yes. thing. So he, he was, he's through the full four years. So I don't think he has the same, he's not on the same level as Howell as someone who was like clearly an actual three-year guy. And again, when it comes to age, like, I mean, they're kind of freaks, but someone like Sam Darnold, when he left after three years in college, he was not even 21 years old by, by draft time. So he was like more than two year, almost difference between Ritter, who was one year, one, one year longer. My problem with Ritter and right now, this has nothing to do with your model. So I'm just, <laughs> this, is, this is just my rant. I just want to get off my chest. This whole like pro system, he's running a pro system. Yeah. He's doing full field reads. Like I'm getting strong. 2017 Deshaun Kaiser vibes from the same crew that was saying that about him versus Mahomes and Watson is if it means something when I looked up the other day, you talk about QBR. So now just explain that QBR is the ESPN metric, which is an EPA per play uh, based type of metric. Like I'm looking up our EPA play per play numbers for 2016 and, you know, Mahomes and Watson are like top 10 and, you know, Kaiser's like 30 or something like that. You know, I, I just feel like I like guys who are successful and Ritter was not unsuccessful. He was, he was up there. I think he was 10th or something like that in QBR, but he wasn't that great the year before. He's not like as good as, as some others there. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm a little bit. I'm probably, I thought I was higher than him on some people, but yeah. now that there's this quote unquote buzz happening, but perhaps this will end up being a Deshaun Kaiser situation where draft Twitter has a lot of buzz and then he goes like way after um, where people are thinking that he might go. Yeah. Deshaun Kaiser, his final year, 69.5 total QBR. That's not good. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not good. And he runs too. Right. Like, like you should be getting extra credit for that. Right. For, in QBR, like you get a higher proportion of the EPA benefit for running and scrambling than you do for throwing the ball. Yeah, exactly. And like Kaiser was 48th percentile for my model, uh, whereas Ritter is uh, 76th somewhere in there. So a bit better, mostly because, you know, more experience, better, better efficiency numbers. But I think that like, I mean, Kaiser went 52nd overall. So I think that like they could wind up falling in a similar bucket. My model does like Ritter more, but I think that like, I yeah, also no, I think he's better. I, th I think yeah. he's better than Kaiser. I, I just think it's funny that, like, I hate all that the we say pro, these guys. The pro system thing, too. I think that's very stupid. I agree. 
I mean, the, the, for all that we that we say about the NFL and these GMs are a bunch of idiots, like, I think if I were going to put, like, maybe it depends on who you follow, right? But if I was going to put, like, draft Twitter, I mean, they hated Justin Herbert. They hated, they loved Deshaun Kaiser, man. I saw too many Deshaun Kaiser QB1. Trust me, they were out there. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser QB1. They hated Josh Allen. Now, then whatever, the analytics hated Josh Allen. Too, so, <laughs> so, so, so that's okay. So we'll, we'll, we can all take a collective L there. But... I don't. I just don't know if they've been any better. And clearly, they were worse in the case of, of Deshaun Kaiser having him as potentially being a guy that that belonged with the Mahomeses or the Watsons of of the world. Um, okay, so I, I, but Ritter, but I, I don't hate him as much. I, I I can't let myself like be tilted too far to, into the hate. Like yeah. really embrace my hate too much by the fact that other people I believe are overvaluing him, which is a major a major problem of mine. Okay, let's go next and let's let's talk about. The, the 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 clear my clear QB one and we'll spend the next uh, hour here as I as I as I work you <laughs> on this one. Yeah, that's Macaral. So Corral yeah. is a 69th percentile um, for me. Very nice. Yes, very nice. And that puts him fourth behind Pickett, Howell, Ritter. Pickett is uh, 80th percent or 79th percentile. Howell is 77th and Ritter is 74th. So he's not that right, far so behind. All, all, uh, 10 10 percent. Correct. 10, Right. Okay. There's not a huge gap between these guys. And yeah. I went into the evaluation process with Corral thinking I'd like him because when I'm not in the terrible state of New York, I like to play college football DFS. And like Matt Corral's freaking amazing for college football DFS because he runs. He's in the super up tempo system. Last yeah, year. exactly. Nice. Yeah, like yeah. it's a fun thing. And that made him pretty fun, I thought, for all of last year. But then you look at the numbers and he's 23.2 years old. And I am willing to budge on that because Joe Burrow, I think, was pretty good in my model if they have something where they stand out. Corral, for the the key components of my model, is not higher than the 77th percentile in any metric. He's 77th percentile in final year total QBR. And as Mm -hmm. you've mentioned, he was better in 2020 than he was in 2021. Even if we account for like the fact that it was a COVID year, fewer fans in the stands, that was not as true in SEC stadiums, but also like... Um, it's relative to his peers. So that's accounted for in this number. You know, 77th percentile in total QBR, that's kind of the one place where he does pop. 31 games of 10-plus pass attempts, and he wasn't sitting behind Baker Mayfield or, you know, guys like that. He was sitting behind Jordan Ta'amu and... Hey, hey, that's... I that's, know, sorry, um, USFL Lu- people. St. Louis Battlehawks legend. I know. Yeah. Jordan Ta'amu. Shout out XFL. Okay. So, yeah, let's go back to XFL. I'll bring it back. And number two overall pick yes. in the USFL draft. I uh, mean, okay, so let's let's not let's not slough him off like that, but go ahead. Clayton Thorson, also a first-round pick in the USFL, <laughs> so let's not get too crazy here. Hey, but Shea Patterson's the only one who went first. Okay, after Jordan Ta'amu, he split time with John Reese Plumley. And like we can joke. He started the season and then he got yanked, basically. Correct. For yeah. again, not for Jordan Ta'amu. Again, XFL legend, Kansas City Chiefs legend, Jordan Ta'amu. It's for John Reese Plumley. That's a little bit Jordan Ta'amu is a lot of guy, has a lot of teams, a lot of practice yes. squads. He was there. He was there. He spent a week in a lot of different places. I choose Kansas yeah. City Chiefs legend personally because <laughs> yeah. I think that sounds better. That's just the way like, I, I think it's where he was first. So yeah. 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 So that's where I want to go there. That's concerning. And then like this is not my model. This should not matter. But it's really weird that Matt Corral is not eligible for the Senior Bowl, given he has been there for four years. He is 23.2 years old, but had not graduated, whereas Sam Howell is 21.6, was only in school for three years and had graduated. And like that does not matter. It should not matter. People should value education the way they want to. But it's freaking weird, and I can't get it out of my brain. It's like a worm that's stuck. Okay, in now let, let, let's talk about his age thing because I want to talk about yeah, this. Yeah. yeah, like I don't, I cannot explain how he's so old. I, I remember a similar, a similar thing happened with Justin Fields, where he was like a year older than everyone, even though he came out as a junior. He wasn't this old, right? Because this would be like he's twenty-two fourth year. He was twenty-two point two at the time of draft. So actually, he's the exact, old, like he's, he's the exact he's, same he's, as Corral if you account for the fact that he yes. came out a year earlier. Yes. Yeah, so like – and then I read that he was held back in like junior high or something like that. I read – I looked through Matt Corral. I didn't see anything. I don't know. Maybe he was like eating paint chips or something like that and never quite never quite got on – got into uh, preschool at the right at the right level or something. But he, there was nothing being held back. There were no extra years. There were no missing years within high school and 
college, he was just basically a year older than everyone all the time. So this is my this this is my question here. And I'll, well, I'll preface it by saying Football Outsiders has has different models that they do for different positions. They have a model for receiver called the playmaker score and their uh their model input is not age for that they use whether or not someone came is early declare mm-hmm. so my question to you would be i think age is a good like like age is something that says for me it's easier to figure out because there's not all this context of right. red shirting or not or this or that so so it's like but is age really most useful as a proxy for like how many years they've been in college and if so the fact that he should be like he, he he the number of years he's had in college would be the equivalent of someone a year younger most of the time does that ding him too much potentially i think that's worth digging into and yes. i am open to i'll take that I'll yeah take that. yeah i think that's worth discussing one point i wish i i don't my ding i got i ding i ding my one point there i'll, I'll give it 0.5 points how about that i'll 0.5 <laughs> okay. points because I, when you were messaging me i like looked into this and so i pulled quarterback since 2010 who were drafted at age 22.6 or older and were a top 50 pick in their draft. Yeah. And I'm just going to read you the names. It's sure. 16 dudes. So uh, Joe Burrow, awesome. Baker Mayfield, I like more than I should. So I'll count that as a win. Why not? I mean, he, whatever. as far as even number one picks go, he hasn't been yeah. like, bad. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Colin Kaepernick, longtime starter in the NFL, pretty successful. Brandon Whedon, my goodness, what are we doing here? Uh, okay, well, we're not counting anyone who's, who's 26. A senior citizen, go ahead. correct. Andy yeah. Dalton, Derek Carr. Yeah. Both successful players. Tim Tebow, eh. EJ Manuel, Ryan Tannehill, older. That's explainable because he was a wide receiver. Uh, Carson Wentz, Christian Ponder, Jake Locker. So there have been some good quarterbacks. I think that Burrow, you know, earmuffs, Kevin. Don't listen to this part. I think Joe Burrow will be a good quarterback in the NFL. So just d- disregard that part. Don't, <laughs> Again, don't kick me this off. Is like, this is like the Ritter thing with me. Yeah. I, there's a Cincinnati tie-in. Someone, someone actually hit me up with, you hate all Cincinnati quarterbacks. But It's the no, PFF it's, it's location. That, like, I like, don't think Burrow yeah. is good. I yeah. just, I'm not ready to crown the guy as Tom Brady, like yeah. some people are on here. Yeah, but, but what other guy I'll mention here? Well, actually, it doesn't look like, I can't tell. So Russell Wilson, he was 19... November 29th of 1988. So that's 2012. So he was not. So Russell Wilson. He was old too. See, but but he doesn't, he's not, he was drafted too late, but he's another guy who was old. 23.4. He was not a first round pick, which is why I didn't have him in there. He's Um, not a first round pick, but anyway, I was going to throw him in there because he's another name that comes to mind as old dude. Right. Yeah. So 23.4, he was older. He was obviously very successful. Kirk Cousins, I think was also old. Uh, 23.7. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth round pick. And he's been a starter. He's earned gobs of money so like older guys in maybe in the non-first round might be more acceptable but like you listen to that that list and there are some solid guys in there but there are, aren't really superstars and like uh, russell that's why i had to get russell wilson up in correct okay, russell wilson so counts as a superstar yes <laughs> yes i think that 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 definitely is valid and like you can see some overlap um yeah. wilson is thicker uh like he's better built despite being short than the matt corral uh but you know, I can see some overlap there because Corral is pretty athletic, but like there aren't really superstars. Whereas again, the, the list that I read off before of the true superstar first round picks in the NFL, almost all very young. Again, Joe Burrow, the only one older than 22.6. Luck was 22.6 when he came out, despite going back for that extra year. Herbert, 22.2. Everyone else was 21 years old when they were drafted. Um, yeah. So in the overlap with like Burrow, uh, and with Andrew Luck, I mean, less so with Luck, but they they were both like, they had something exceptional talent. Luck had the exceptional draft capital. Well, we can count that. Uh, Burrow had the exceptional advanced metrics, 94.9 total QBR in his final year. Baker had the exact same thing. He was exceptional in his final year. And I look at Corral and like, I'm willing to make exceptions if a guy is good enough, but I'm not totally convinced of that because- Whedon had a better total QBR his final year. Kaepernick did. He was 87.7. I think we kind of forget that Colin Kaepernick was a decently good quarterback in college too. Well, yeah, again, high, a lot of, a lot of running going on. Yeah. There, so that's, so that helps boost it up. Yeah. Baker 92.6, uh, Burrow 94.9. So like I'm more willing to make concessions when I have a reason to make concessions. And what about, what about 2020 Matt Corral? 
Very good. Uh, 89.9 behind only Mac Jones and Justin yeah. Fields. So this question came up when Jordan Love was coming out because whenever you would consider, the thought crossed your mind. Big Brother's in there looking at you like, oh, if you're considering saying bad things about Jordan Love, have you considered the fact that he was better his second to last year? And people, it was very annoying. So I looked into yeah. it. And I was like, okay, should I go with best season you know, numbers as opposed to total QBR? So at that time... There have been 56 quarterbacks taken the first round since 2000. 19 of those 56 had their best adjusted yards per attempt in a year that was not their final year in college. So um, 19 guys at 56 had this situation similar to Jordan Love. Six of those had an adjusted yards per attempt that was at least a full yard better in their earlier year than they're in their final year. So like massively better in a non-final year than they were in their final year. Love was yes. three yards different. So big gaps. Those guys, Jordan Love, Jameis Winston, Rex Grossman, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Ponder, Brady Quinn, Josh Allen. So Winston. Sam, Cor- Sam Darnold not in there. I know Sam Darnold was a lot I better. I think that his gap, in he his- might have actually been in that year. Um yeah. Okay. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering about Darnold. You mean Jameis um, Darnold? He, he, Darnold I, I always said, I always made Jameis Winston as like one of my comps for Darnold because he of the was fact my that comp. They were both similar. They were both red shirt sophomores, I yeah. guess, who who had excellent red shirt freshmen. And seasons. a ton of picks as in the yeah. final year. <laughs> Questionable so decision. Darnold was 9.0 his first year, 8.5 his second year. So that was why okay, he was. Okay. On that so he's actually pretty close. I yeah. guess he just, he just upped the, uh, the, he also upped the touchdowns yeah. there. Okay. Go ahead. So like Josh Allen, he's a hit. Awesome. Superstar. Jameis Winston was a successful quarterback for five or so years. Could be a successful quarterback in the future. Not a superstar, but like, fine. You, you're you're okay with that as a first round pick. But outside of that, Grossman, Gabbert, Ponder, Quinn, and Jordan Love. Hard for me to like make that tweak. So I'm open to changing yeah. that if yeah. I get... Herbert's close, but I don't, I don't think he qualifies because his best season was his sophomore season and he only played eight games. Yeah. So he only had 206 pass attempts, but he... I believe he would have been at he was least exactly that number. At least one, but yeah. go ahead. He was at exactly that number. It was 10.0 as a sophomore, 9.0 in his final year. So that was the guys who were more than one off. Herbert was exactly and, there. and the sophomore number is is you should be less confident in it also. So yeah. I had the cutoff be 200 pass attempts, so he would have qualified had he been oh, he would have, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um had he be been just, you know, point one worse as a right. uh a senior there at Oregon. So I looked into it. I didn't see enough to convince myself that I should go with best season uh, versus versus most recent season. I'm not totally tied to that, though. I think that there that's a legitimate discussion worth having is what I would say. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's just it's like an interesting added yeah. data point. I agree with you, though. Final season seems to be much more important. Now, whether it's like overfitting for guys like Russell Wilson who weren't that great and then sure. and then was awesome in his final season or Joe Burrow who Pick wasn't it. very good and then awesome in his final season and there have been a handful of guys yeah. like that quite honestly um maybe that's maybe that could also be the case like Deshaun Watson's another guy well he didn't do that much worse he just threw a ton of picks his final his final season as as opposed to his his earlier year so right. um yeah it's interesting the age thing i think is interesting versus eligibility and how that all plays out because i think that Age, the idea that you are like physically more mature or something like that, and that's the age question, I think that plays out probably like for the for this is Matt Corral was a starting quarterback. I think it was the first starting quarterback in this high school's history. But I mean, dude was like a year and a half older than everyone else. Like I could see that right. as a freshman in in high school making a big difference. I think later on, again, I think it's more of a proxy for like early production you want to see, and that's when age comes into play, which can get confusing with these old dudes. But I, I don't know if we have enough like guys who were. Uh, held back in sixth grade to, to to build to build a whole sample on, but he seems to to fall into that bucket. I mean, I'm in the corral bucket personally because I went to two years of preschool because I wanted to watch Batman in the morning. My mom gave me the choice because I was a July birthday, and she's like, "You can go to kindergarten next year, or you can go to another year of preschool and like watch the cartoon Batman in the morning." And I was like, "Come on, make it make it tougher on me here." So I get it, Matt Corral. He wanted to watch Batman in the mornings. I get it. I'm with you, but I also can't buy into him quite as being like the QB one in this class. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is crappy. I was young, so I, I'm on October birthday, but I still went. So yeah, so Matt Corral. If I was like finishing up as a senior right now, Matt Corral. Let me see. That would be like 23 and a half when I. So he would be more than a year and a half older than I was at the, yeah. at the same exact time. So it is it is pretty pretty crazy for him. Okay, so that's that's a couple of points of context. Um, I, I might have lost a quarter of a point on that one. I'm not sure which direction we're going in here. Um, how about? Other adjustments, well, maybe we should talk about the, maybe we should just go through Willis first before sure. before I talk about some of this other stuff. So actually, this will, this will play into Willis, my other questions. Go ahead. Let's talk about Malik. Yeah, so I think I get why people like him, because he has the components you want for upside. And like you watch that Mahomes versus Allen game, you're like, wow, these guys are aliens. Like, why would we not just sell out for those guys? Uh, but he just, there are like a lot of like red flags statistically with him specifically. Again, he's older, 22.9 years old, 23 games played for him. And like he lost out in the quarterback battle at Auburn. That's why he transferred. It's like the transfer obviously does add in time to the equation. And maybe that's why he's older, but like you also ask yourself, why did he transfer? And like, that's a tougher question with Malik Willis. Cause like there are, systemic issues that could lead to a quarterback like Malik Willis being downplayed. So I want to like acknowledge that and be like, okay, maybe there were factors at play that he couldn't control, which is why he had a transfer. But even at, at Liberty, not like the best efficiency numbers, a 70 total QBR. His final year is AYA was 8.4. He's shorter. And I think we don't really talk about that because he's thick. Uh, like, you know, that's, that's something to consider as well. So I wanted to look at other quarterbacks, my model dislike. And be like, okay, how often is it wrong? The answer is pretty often. So, um, you know, like that's because we're all wrong pretty often. But so I looked at quarterbacks taking the first round who graded out worse than Malik Willis in my model, who is in the 36th percentile for me. So quarterbacks who are worse were Carson Wentz. I don't know. Uh, Jordan Love, Christian Ponder, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, Josh Allen, ding. And then Ryan Tannehill. And we hear Josh Allen be the comp a lot for Willis because they both have strong arms and they both can run. But Josh Allen is also a full year younger than Malik Willis coming out. He also didn't have a ton of experience. So like that was also digging against him, but he was younger. So I think that the better comp for Willis is Wentz or Tannehill. I don't really care which. I think that they're both kind of like in that realm. And those are guys who have shown upside in the NFL. They've shown flashes of being good quarterbacks they just not have they haven't done so consistently maybe you could count Tannehill because he's done it for a couple years being like decent but like I'm hesitant there so I think that there is a justification for taking Malik Willis in like the first round like at the back end of the first round because of those traits because when it's my model is missed on guys before it's missed on guys with some similarities to him but that's why like when there was buzz about him going second overall, I'm like, are you sure? Because <laughs> that doesn't yeah, seem yeah. very wise. Even the Panthers at six doesn't seem very wise. I don't think they'll do it because the timelines are not jiving with uh, Matt Rule with how he needs to win now and, and Willis and stuff like that. But I can get at the back end of the first round because of the traits and because risk shouldn't matter very much there. But anything above that, like the red flags here are really, really big. Yeah, yeah. Um I might disagree with you a little bit on uh, Matt Rule. I feel like <laughs> you know who their quarterback is right now, right? Fair. <laughs> I mean, that's not a win now, win later. That's actually a very good before, point. Yes, a win before option. I feel like they almost. I that's feel like a full Rule's point toast. for Kevin right there. That's a Rule's, full yeah, point Rule's, for Kevin. Rules, Rules toast. He's yeah. dead. But Fritterer like needs needs something to happen here, and then he'll survive Rule potentially and, and move on there. So oh, yeah, I, I agree. The, the Willis thing, the conversation. I feel like I'm in like the twilight zone a little bit when I hear people talk about it. Cause I'm like, wait, like, why is this guy like the number one quarterback? I, you know, it's like, Oh, he's like Josh Allen. Um, he's five inches shorter than Josh <laughs> Allen. He has the same weight and height as Baker Mayfield. Okay. Like, are we talking about Baker Mayfield being like some physical specimen? Yeah. I know he can run a lot better yeah, than yeah. that, but he is not Josh Allen. Okay. Yeah. He is not Justin Herbert. He is not even Patrick Mahomes. Who's, you know, a full six, three. Even Wenson Tannen are huge. Like, so like, yeah, yeah. I think they're the best comps, but they're not necessarily one-to-one comps. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the be all end all to be tall, but we're normally concerned about a Malik Willis having awesome stats and not paying attention to them because he's not six, five, but now 
he's being a pension to being a pay, paid attention to and his his stats aren't there so i don't really get that number another thing about him when we talk about needing to transfer i mean he was beat out by i think three different quarterbacks at auburn over the yeah. course of two years so you know that's triple triple the beat it outedness of <laughs> of some other quarterbacks <laughs> not a add that to your model yeah um not, not auburn yes and then like Liberty, like Liberty, like what is going on here? You couldn't go someone else. I mean, I know he's all about the Jesus and everything, but still, I'm just not quite sure that that gives me much, much confidence either. And I guess lastly for him, the sack thing is, is yeah. like he's, he just got off. He wasn't that bad though the year before. So maybe it's yeah. like a fluky sort of thing, but this whole thing of like, he'll need to speed up at the next level. You know, and that's not the place to do it. The place no. to do it is Liberty. The, right. place, the place to look like you're playing fast was at Liberty, not look like you're going to play faster in the NFL. So altogether, again, he, he has physical traits. Maybe you could say like the last shorter guy who, had amazing physical traits to go in that sort of range was probably like, I don't know, we're talking about Michael Vick or someone like that, but Michael Vick was insane athlete and performer on the field. I would not put Malik Willis in that bucket. And Michael Vick also was like, from an athlete perspective, like I think we've kind of oversold Malik Willis's athleticism too. And Michael Vick, his second year, his freshman year, Retro freshman year, Virginia Tech, 11.5 adjusted yards per attempt. How stupid. How stupid is that? Like, yeah, I mean, he had a cannon. Dumb. He had a cannon, and yeah. he was probably the best athlete, like, well, the fastest player in the NFL yeah. at quarterback. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, the sacks matter. I mentioned that that Howell had a 24% sack rate on third and long last year, third and six plus. So, obvious passing situations. Willis was 30%. Um, <laughs> and, like, so... I wanted to go into like Willis, like watching him to being like totally open-minded and like, he kind of looks like if you have like an old, like Xbox controller and the joystick stops working, he has broken joystick syndrome. We were like, where are you going? Like, what you doing, yeah. bud? Like, wh- why are yeah. you running that way? Why are you running backwards? You're trying to backpedal, but you're kind of like, it was like two consecutive plays where he had broken joystick syndrome. And I was like, what's exactly going on here? So I wanted to go in being like receptive to it, but like, and like, again, the traits do matter. I'm totally on board with drafting for traits. I just want to make sure a, we're not overselling the traits and B we're not pushing traits into a realm where we're overlooking all the legitimate red flags. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when people are watching the tape, they don't realize that all the players on Liberty and the schools they're playing against are all like 25 pounds and two inches shorter than they would be if they if they're right. playing in the SEC or something like that. So it's like, yeah, he looks like a man amongst boys because he's playing with a bunch of boys out right. there, like literal, you know, not 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 men like well, they have it in these other schools. And that shows up too when you look at his numbers versus top 50 top 50 defenses. Um, yeah, going by SP plus uh, Bill Connolly's number, he was really bad. He was good against UAB. UAB had a good defense, and his numbers in that game were very good he played and he looked good in that game too but the other games from Malik Willis was the top 50 defenses Ole Miss people talk about that game a lot they bring up that game as being like a what happened there but it wasn't just oh, yeah, that. That, was, that was slaughterhouse it was right bad there. yeah uh the army yeah. tape fine uh he had 46 attempts 305 yards a touchdown and a pick that's you know, not super efficient versus yeah. Louisiana also top 50 defense not LSU Louisiana uh 34 attempts 162 yards Two touchdowns, two picks. So it wasn't just the Ole Miss game either. Again, very good against UAB. That matters. Ole Miss, aggressively bad. Louisiana, bad. Army, not great. I know we can blame Liberty, but Liberty wasn't like some scrub team. Like they're, you know, they've got some some guys there. So I, I don't know. I worry a, a lot about Yeah, yeah. Things. Let's talk about this competition thing yeah. for a second because – there is like who you played against as competition and who you have on your team as competition. Yes. For certain positions, I am willing to give more credit to the player based upon having poor teammates in a way. Yeah. Um, like running backs, yeah. certain especially guys who are gonna go later in the round. Like if they're on a, a shitty team or or small school sort of thing, I think. You could say, oh, well, they're a man amongst boys, and that's why they're able to do so well. But the reality is you're not breaking like seven tackles on every play and running all the way all the way in there. And the fact that your blockers are so bad and you're so dependent upon your blockers as a runner, that those guys can end up being undervalued. I'm not quite sure about quarterbacks 
Um, maybe there's something there, I, I, you know, but, but, but I'm not quite sure there were, you know, he also has poor competition. He, he's not playing with anyone. What, what do you think about that whole dynamic? It's really hard. Um, because in the NFL, that was like a Josh Allen thing too, by the way, yeah, was yeah. that like everyone left and that's why Josh, cause Josh Allen's another guy. Maybe he doesn't have the one differential that you talked about. He's another guy where as a red shirt, he was actually in that group. Yeah. Oh, he was. Oh, he was redshirt. Was he? Was he? Was he was the he only one the who through, actually though, right? like? I think uh, it was a redshirt sophomore, and he was really good. Yeah, and then he sucked. It, it, his final season as a redshirt junior. So he went from eight point three AYA in twenty sixteen to six point seven. He was the one guy in on the list who was like an actual superstar. Winston was the right. other like competent guy. So he was on that list. Right, right, right. And but again, like a lot of excuses were made for the yeah. fact that he was throwing the nobodies. Um, you know, I wasn't having it at the time, but you know, maybe I, in retrospect we should have. Yeah. Why do you learn how to pass three years in your NFL career? Like, I don't want to make adjustments. Do that earlier. I don't want to totally overhaul my process based on one outlier. Like I'm okay yeah. making alterations, speaking with more nuance as a result of yeah. it, making some yeah. minor tweaks. I'm not going to overhaul everything and just ignore. Oh, everyone who's bad in college can be good in the NFL. Like that's anyway. Not, sorry, so I, I cut yeah. you off there. I cut you off there with the Josh Allen thing. But maybe Josh Allen, they they could have said that. Uh, maybe Herbert, you could have said that he, I don't know. Did he lose guys? I don't know what he did, uh, his, his final season, but go ahead. He gained his brother. I remember that. Um, yeah. that was part of why <laughs> yeah, he came back. It was like, he wanted to play with his yeah. brother at Oregon. So like, I guess he yeah. gained that. Um, I think that that's the toughest thing because when it comes to like evaluating quarterbacks in the NFL, I feel like because I have a knowledge of NFL players, I can properly evaluate, Hey, this guy's situation sucked. Um, I'm not going to hold that against him in college. That's a lot tougher. And I think that like, if I were to point to an area where I think that my model may overestimate players, it's when they play with a really good competition. Now, does that mean that it underestimates guys uh, with with a bad supporting cast? I'm not really sure because, again, like if I just look at the model, like let's look at successful first round picks since 2010. Their average pre-draft ranking the model is 83rd percentile. The less successful one, we're in the 62nd percentile on average. There's a big split there. So to me, I feel like. I can feel pretty confident in valuing college stats without making too many tweaks. I will speak with more nuance when it comes to guys who may be in worse situations because of the Josh Allen thing, but I don't want to totally disregard guys who have worse stats just because their surrounding talent may not have been perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just trying to think even more about Willis. I mean, the other things that we hear about him is that, you know, he can like, kind of like do these things you can't teach. He's a good long ball thrower. But I mean, the reality is you just don't throw it long that often in the NFL. I mean, it's nice to have it, yeah. you know, in your back pocket, but it's not like what you can base your whole game around. Um, the guy seems very charming, though. Oh, yeah. And I've heard him talk. Maybe he's charming the pants off of these dudes in uh, in these meetings also. All right. So. We have your rankings. I think you kind of told us how you would rearrange them as as Howell on there. Uh, how much is the draft going to change your scores slash process here? A lot. Because, yeah. again, I'm not as good at this as the NFL is. I have to do, like, golf stuff. I have to do, like, baseball stuff. They don't have to do, like talk about the Martinsville race, the Martinsville NASCAR race. Like this is their job. They're better at that than I am. So like, I'd be an idiot if I didn't listen to what they say. So like, I think it's most important for a couple of guys though, for Pickett, I don't think it's going to influence things very much. Like I kind of, we know what he is. He goes sixth overall. So even if the Panthers lose their minds and take him at six, you're still not going to be that high on Correct. Because, well, also because their situation is bad. Talk about supporting cast. If they take him at six, they're not taking a left tackle at six, which means their situation is still going to suck. So the odds he makes me Again, look stupid. Darnold. Yeah, Sam exactly. Darnold. Let me exactly. <laughs> tell you about Sam Darnold. Right, here. exactly. Okay, so yeah. Pickett, probably not as much. Willis, it it will influence things for sure because I was talking about the Lions at second overall. If he goes second overall, like I'm not going to lose my mind and be like, oh my gosh, he's the next, like uh, the next, he actually is the next Josh Allen. I'm not going to do that, but I'll be like, okay, the odds that he hits become higher at that point because the NFL had more confidence in him. With Sam Howell, right now, I'm okay being very skeptical of him. If he somehow surprises us and is a, I would say even top 20 pick. If he goes to the Steelers at 20, I will up my opinion of him in a pretty serious way because I don't think the NFL is going to value him that much. But if they do, that's a pretty important indicator. So I think that for him, it's going to matter a lot. Corral, it matters because... I don't know what the NFL is going to do with him. So it depends on the player quite a bit. Um, If Howell goes earlier than I expect him to go, I will be pretty excited by that. 
if Willis goes earlier than he's expected to go, that's interesting. If he goes later than he's expected to go, that also matters a lot. So it's a case-by-case basis, but I do think that I'd be an idiot not to consider what the NFL is telling me because over the long run, they are better at this than I am. Okay, do you have an opinion on how many quarterbacks are going to go in the first round? I think the number is around three-ish, yeah. if you think about it. I mean, there's some two-and-a-halves over-unders on there where it's going to be minus to the overside and then vice versa. There are three-and-a-halves out there where it's going to be minus to the low to the low side. So about three is what is what people are saying. Do you think that's about right, or do you think there might be two? Yeah. You don't sound too high on these guys. I guess you're not probably, you might not go four, but what what do you think about that? I think that like, if we're talking about like distributions of, of, of numbers, I would say the yeah. most likely number would be three. Um, yeah. Just because there is that incentive to get quarterbacks in the fifth year option. We could see a lot of guys go towards the back out of the first round. There are a lot of teams that in theory could use a longer term solution, to quarterback drafting towards the back end of the first round or could move it back into the back end of the first round. So I would say the most likely number is three. I think that like the the lock is Willis. I would say the lock-ish is Pickett. I don't think he's a total lock to go first round. I don't think, I'm not I don't totally know what sold. to think about him, honestly. Yeah. I, I still can't believe that teams are that high on him, but who knows? We've missed we've missed on evaluating where the NFL will draft people before. I would not be shocked if, with someone of his, also the buzz has kind of died down a bit, I think, on him too. So that's that's worth mentioning yeah. as well. I think the baseline number is three, but I can't tell you which three, and I can't tell you definitively if it will be three. But I think that I would say three is the most likely number. Um, and I feel pretty firm in that probably being where it settles out. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel like the the Lions, the Panthers, they got to get somebody, but maybe they don't want to use their top picks on yeah. them. So the Lions are already positioned. Well, the Panthers 32. gave their second round pick to the Jets for Sam Darnold. So like they don't even yeah, have a right. second they're, round they're, pick. They're fucked. <laughs> They don't have a third round pick either. No. Or a fourth round pick. Oh man, they're 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 yeah, they're yeah, they're in trouble. That's why I think they're gonna take someone early because I don't know, man. What are they gonna do? Were they gonna wait around? You trade down six happens? times. Like you Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. Maybe they could trade down. I don't think they will. I think they should. I don't think they will, but I think they should. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. All right. Well, you know, Matt Rule, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's number one on first coach to be fired yep. uh odds here this 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 offseason. So we, we we can talk about that maybe when the season rolls around again. Jim, thank you so much for joining me again. Uh the 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 I, you have you have like so many different things going on. You mentioned the multi sports. It's too much to take to keep track of. So why don't you tell me what you want to plug? Right yeah. Now? So uh, doing plenty of NFL draft stuff over at Number Fire, but then also doing uh, NASCAR, Formula One, golf. Uh, baseball is back now as well. So kind of all over the place, but mostly focused on betting and daily fantasy. So just kind of you know whatever wherever the winds may take me. This is a fun time of year with everything kind of going all at once. It's not NFL season, so I actually have time to do that stuff. So kind of all over the place there's not really much to plug it's just kind of everything yeah if 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 it if anyone considers it a sport jim is your guy to, <laughs> to follow on this so follow him on twitter I'll, I'll plug your twitter uh very good twitter account here at jim sonnes that's s-a-n-n-e-s uh you know follow him there get everything else here i appreciate you again coming on here and we're us having able to have this discussion and um, convincing you that Matt Corral <laughs> is indeed QB one by the end of this. Uh, I'll be coming. Everyone else listening, you know, thanks so much for listening. I'll be coming at you again next week. Start to dig into some of the other positions uh, as we get into draft season. It's all draft all the time now for the rest of April. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening, and I'll be talking at you then. 